Just because we sit around talking about technology doesn't mean we don't like to get out into the sunshiny weather. Today, I'm out by the lake with Floyd Baker, and we're talking about asset integrity and digital twins. An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another sunshiny episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast. Right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, this one is brought to you by the good people at Cognite, and we do love our sponsors. As you know, without them, there is no us. So here is a quick message from our friends over there at Cognite. This is what they want you to know. Imagine your company fully digitalized, transformed, and sustainable. Cognite helps you make data do more for faster, safer, more sustainable industrial operations. Learn more at Cognite.com. Seriously, check those guys out. They're doing amazing stuff. And in case you're wondering why there are birds singing in the background, I'm out here on location, sitting right on the edge of beautiful Lake Conroe, about an hour north of Houston. And I'm here with my old friend, Floyd Baker. We're not really old friends, but it feels like we should be old friends. Well, we're old and we're friends. It was pre-COVID. We are old and we are friends. We are friends. So, Floyd, thanks for having me out to your... I mean, this is your office is out here, right? And you live out here. Yes, yes. We're right here in this Water Point complex. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't from Houston, we have a lot of people listening who aren't from Houston. We're about an hour north. It is a beautiful, clear blue sky day here on the lake. And it feels like, what, it's about 70 degrees? Yeah, uh, about that? 70, 68, I think 68 is what it is. 68. Yeah. yeah. So what is that in a, for, our, for our Celsius friends? That's something like 20 uh, 20, yeah, it sounds like cold here, but it's yeah, not there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so we're out here on the lake, and we got some birds. We're sitting at a place called Fajita Jack's, where we will be eating lunch soon. This is we're gonna we may if it sounds like we are rushing through this episode, it's because we can already smell the fajitas cooking. Wonderful fajitas, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Okay, but before we get to Floyd and the amazing story of the things that he is doing with his company Antea. I should mention that this is going to be kind of part two. We had Floyd on a couple months ago, and and we got into some things. We're going to get more into those things. But first, I do have to do this thing where I ask for reviews. I know that you're all sitting out there wanting to leave a review for this show. And if if you're not leaving a review, I think I said this on the last one, but I'm going to say it again because it was kind of funny. Either, if you're not leaving a review right now, I have to assume that it's one of three reasons. Either, A, you're stuck under a large object, or B... You really, you really hate the show and you just don't want to tell us in a review because you're being nice. Or C, you love the show and you just figure that everybody else is leaving a review so you don't have to. So if it is B or C, please leave a review anyway because that's how we learn. That's how we find out what you like, what you don't like, and how we can do better. Also, I should mention that if you leave a review, I will read it on a show at some point. We don't do reviews every time, but, but I will read it. So, And I will read exactly what you write. So you can have fun with that if you want. All right, enough of that. We're back to the lake. Floyd's here. Let's just, as a quick refresher, Antea, 
Who is Antea again? So Antea, we're in the IT space, information technology. We're a software platform, web-based platform that manages asset integrity in highly intensive asset environments like refineries, petrochemical plants, power plants, and that sort of thing. Monitoring things like pressure vessels, tanks, reactors, pipes, that sort of thing. Right, right. Okay. So a very sort of traditional kind of heavy equipment type business, right? But now you're neck deep in the digital revolution, right? Yes, so yes. That's, so that's what we want to get into. We scratched the surface on some of this stuff. So let's start with what's the latest and greatest in terms of the technology? What are, what are, we, what are we able to do now that we couldn't uh, so do a little while ago? If I had to choose what's the latest and greatest and most interesting, at least to me, I would say the ability to interact with the edge environment through remote sensing devices and so that way you can actually look at or visualize your data real time in a digital digital twin or in a 3D model. Yeah. So so there's a lot of this digital twin talk going around. And I mentioned when we were in our little uh, warm-up chat here, I mentioned that it's kind of new and you said, "Well, actually, we've been we've been doing this kind of stuff for a long time, right?" Oh, they put the music on back on for us. <laughs> That's all right. So we got, a, we got a background soundtrack now. It's just all part of the show, folks. And just like that, it's gone. So you mentioned, I said, well, this new digital twin stuff. And you said, well, really, we've been doing certain things for a long time, right? So, yeah. so talk about that a little bit. What's the essence of this that, that, has been, that you've been doing for so long? Yeah, so there's lots of different, different definitions for a digital twin. And we fall into one of those spaces, whereas we can convert point cloud data into, of course, it's visual representation of what's actually in the field. So we're also able to overlay a 3D model in that same point cloud. So you can see what the 3D model is, looks like, and or any data points you might have on it in that digital twin, in that point cloud. And again, the ability to connect to the edge environment, you can actually also look at and monitor, say, readings from any asset, if it's pressure, temperature, flow, all of this information and data right there in that digital twin. Right. So now we've got all that data in the twin. What does that mean in terms of, so let's say I'm, let's back up a second. Who is the person like in the, in the world of people working out there in the oil fields? Who's the person that cares about this? So that's going to be just about anybody. If you think about access to information, there are people out there in the field making decisions every single day, whether it's the maintenance guy out doing repairs on a pump or it's the mechanical engineer inside doing a re-rate on a pressure vessel. Either way you go, he needs access to this information. And to have it right there at his fingertips on a mobile device or at his PC, at his desktop, and not have to get up to go to a library or over to the operations or to the inspection department to gather all this information, yeah. it reduces the time to find information to almost minutes. Okay, so, so that makes sense in terms of I'm working on this thing and I need data about it, right? How does a digital twin play? Because when I think of digital twins, I think of, okay, I'm going to put all this data in the twin and then I'm going to model different scenarios and that's going to help me know something that I wouldn't have known otherwise or it's going to help me look for various outcomes and decide what's the best path. So how does that, so for those people who are in there working on stuff, they got information, how does the twin factor into that? So really it's, it's not about the twin. The twin is a visualization, which, you know, humans tend to respond better to visualizations when it comes to being immersed into whatever task they're trying to perform. So that's the visualization uh, okay. part. Now it's the data and how, what you do with that data, being able to trend it, 
monitor it, trend it, and being able to see what's happening in the field in, in real life and or over time. You know, that's, that's the, main, the main objective there. And again, access to the information and being able to bi-directionally link all these different visualizations to all that data just makes it so much better and easier and more efficient way to do your work. Yeah. So can I give, so can I use that model? So can I use all that data to then kind of feed better information to the people who are doing the work? So in other words, where I'm giving you instructions, but the instructions have some intelligence built into it that says, based on what we've learned so mm -hmm. far, this is the best way to do this thing or things that you could do differently to have, you know, better outcomes later on. Yep. So the process in my head is data becomes information, information becomes actionable. Right. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here is create something actionable and actionable, actionable insights. So from that, then yes, you can actually generate a, an operation or let's say a task. And if you're integrated, if the platform is integrated to your ERP or CMMS, Right. then you can automatically send notifications to actually perform that task. So that means you're not only creating an actionable insight, but you're also executing something, right? Work actually takes place once a work order is generated based on those the guidance given by the person who generated that task in the yeah. platform. So you have a lot more, you have these insights that are creating a much, they're informing how you plan your work, what you do. All right, so let's take it out of the abstract. Let's take it into an example. So what were one of the, one of the ones that you, said before the ERP no 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 the, the people working on the working on various things and now they have access to all this information oh so it could be a maintenance technician could be a mechanical engineer could be even a CEO for that matter sure sure oh and I want to get to the I want to get to the C-suite stuff in a minute but so let's say I'm the maintenance technician probably most of my life is spent going out and doing things in kind of a reactive way right like yes like something broke and now I'm fixing it mm -hmm. or something's looking like it might break and I wish I would have known about this, you know, a month ago or something like that. Yeah. So how are we helping? So I'm imagining this is helping to be more, to work on things in advance, right? To know based on history, this thing is going to give out at a particular point in time. And this is how we, is that, is that the kind of stuff we're talking about? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Proactive maintenance activities and, and not only proactive maintenance, but also risk-based inspection and maintenance activities. So not only looking at what's happened in the past, but also measuring risk associated to the failure if it does actually take place. Right. You know, is it a big deal or not? Yeah. If you have means to calculate that risk, which in the platform, uh, yeah, yeah. you can yeah. actually calculate that risk and determine if it's a risk you're willing to assume, or if you should focus your maintenance dollars here in order to mitigate the risks that you're not willing to assume. So this is where, and then all that data becomes useful to the, to the, the engineer when they're you know, designing whatever the next thing is, right? This is what I've learned from this scenario. We're gonna design it differently. We're gonna use these parts instead of those parts. Is that, sure. of, that's the life cycle, right? That's the kind of history or, or, or information that the database will possess that one could glean those insights from and yeah. make decisions differently in the future. Gotcha. Being proactive is key though. You made that point. The other part of that is, is some new things that we're working on that we should be being able to uh, roll out and talk about here over the next months, the up and coming months is being more prescriptive and not only being able to identify a problem before it happens, but also prescribe a task or task to take place to prevent it from ever happening. Ah, right. So, so we're talking artificial intelligence here. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So, all right. So we can see how like if if we're in boots on the ground type roles or even, 
you know, the project engineer or something like that, we can see how all of this intelligence is helpful. You mentioned, though, when we were talking earlier about a set of kind of C-suite benefits. So how does all of this, if I'm in the C-suite, we're talking about some pretty in the weeds kind of stuff right here. How does that become interesting to yeah. me? Yeah, I can see it's way too deep and down in the weeds there. But when you consider what how, the value for the C-suite, you're, you're really looking at more of a dashboard. So right, okay. basically you're looking at a big picture of everything here is in green. That means it looks good. Everything here is in yellow. And that means ah, we might maybe it's interesting or not. If it's in red, you might want to dig a little deeper. So gotcha. dashboard type access, yet at the same time, offers complete transparency because even C-Suite, if they see red and they don't want to see red, they can click all the way down to the actual detail that's making it red. So what are some of the kinds of things that they would see, green or yellow or red? So if you're talking things like, let's, let's take compliance, for example, the regulators OSHA mm-hmm. and DOT and several others make sure that the end users actually, or facilities actually ensure that they're that their assets are mechanically sound, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the way you do that. You show you're performing inspections, you show you're doing some tests, you're doing things that are keeping them from coming together or at least mitigating that risk. And this is a way to ensure that they're in compliance. They know that if OSHA shows up on my at my front gate and wants to come in and audit my facility, it's okay. Everything yeah. is in compliance. If I see red, I'm probably got some compliance issues that I might want to look into. Right, well, and sure, now with all of the with all the ESG stuff or the focus on ESG now, I got to believe that having that type of dashboard information, right? I don't know. I didn't ask you this before, but I mean, everybody wants everything to have to do something with ESG these days, right? Mm-hmm. So is there a connection there? How do we help with environmental things or sustainability and, and whatnot? So really, there is. There is. If you think about improving your environmental responsibility, what better way to do it than keep your plant from one coming from together, right? Right. But also keep it more reliable. You have less upset conditions. You have less operating conditions that might invoke something that might have a negative effect on the environment. So, yeah, I mean, really, it all goes hand in hand. Very cool. So I got to ask you, because, I mean, the industry is making progress on, we got we got some birds here that are seriously yeah. Yeah. wanting to get involved with whatever it is that we are. I think are. they want those chips. They want those chips that are right over there. <laughs> Maybe that's it. So... The kinds of things you're talking about are the sorts of things that people are scrambling to do in various places. And we are making progress in the industry where, you know, digital transformation is no longer just a word. People are actually are actually making some headway. But that said, you still don't have to look very far to find like a Deloitte article or a McKinsey article or one of those guys telling us that you're still not getting you're not getting there you're not making progress you're not you know the oil and gas industry has to and it seems like every few months there's a new some new insight about what we ought to be doing differently if we want to make progress are you seeing customers actually be able to get down the road with these things and have them impact the business are we kind of like still in the lab with some of these ideas i know the product is is not in the lab but in terms of in terms of companies being able to embrace this stuff and put it to work. So it's really daunting when you look at it at first, you know, if I'm an end user and and I have been in my previous life to think of how you would, you know, digitize everything is one thing, you know, paper docs to, to PDFs and so on. But digital transformation isn't just that. And, you know, it's about how you digitize not only all of that information and create that transparency and access, but also the, the workflows that are associated to that. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and that is the daunting part. Yes, we we have we do on a daily actually 
you know, have customers that, that use the tool like it's supposed to be used. Transforming, you have to consider sca- scalability. That, that softens that whole overwhelming feeling that you get when you first look at how that process looks. Scalability, you don't try to do everything all at once. You take bites and steps, and we break it into three different phases. Okay. Really, it's more about first data migration. So yeah. either migrating or integrating to the existing legacy systems and or data platforms. And then that sec- that and, you know that's pretty straightforward. That's getting all the information where you can access it in that one space right. and create that single version of the truth. The other part is some of the bling, where you add the visualizations. Now you're talking about ingesting process and instrumentation diagrams, right. process flow diagrams, and creating smart drawings from them from that process. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So now you've digitized your entire PNIDs and PFDs and plot plans and so on. Right, and then comes a real bling, bling in the third phase, and that's where you would import point cloud data to create that visualization, the digital twin, and of course, all of this information you, you, we actually bidirectionally link as a part of this process, so yeah. that you can be looking at any visualization or any piece of data in this platform and be able to link to any of the smart PNIDs, PFDs, even right. Google Maps for that matter. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I'm going to break it down a little bit. We're talking about how do you how do you make process, how do you move forward, small bites. I did recently read an article from one of those big consulting companies who said, who kind of said, well, the industry is making a mistake by trying to do everything in small bites, naturally. <laughs> but their point was, you're deploying a point solution. You know, it's digital, but it just addresses a particular piece of a workflow. And now there's a particular person whose job is easier than it used to be, but it's not transforming the business. And so their advice was you need to look at reinventing entire workflows end to end, which is um, enough to make even, you know, like that is not for the faint hearted, right? Right, right? In this industry, you want to start talking about reinventing workflows from beginning to end. So it, it seems like the key is, and yet we know those of us who have been kind of on the ground know that boiling the ocean doesn't work, right? Right. You have exactly. to, you have to, you have to work in small steps. So where I'm going with this is working in small steps, but having like a plan that ties it all together and continuing to put all the small pieces together so that you're, you're kind of marching toward that, that value, right? Which sounds a little bit like like your methodology. Sure, exactly. Yeah. That's the phased approach we're talking about. We we have a process plan we follow with every onboarding, every installation. So we're really good at it. You yeah, know, we've been doing a lot of years, and so we're good at that part. But most importantly, is it, it's defined so it makes it easier easier and less overwhelming for the end user to actually absorb it all. Uh, do it right. Yeah. And again, scalability yeah. is the key. Yeah. You know, if you too much, yeah. too fast, everybody gets overwhelmed. Well, the, right, and so which ties to another topic that is essential for success. In fact, we did an episode on this recently with one of my, with Amode, my friend from Wipro. Adoption, right? Without adoption, then, then we don't have much, yeah. right? Like people, and you know this from being on the user side once upon a time. If somebody came out to you and said, here's this great new thing that's gonna make your life better, right? If you didn't, if it wasn't easy to use, if you didn't understand it, or even if you just didn't like the guy who told you about it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Yeah you might not actually adopt it and use it. And then we have no value. Yeah, you gotta deliver the value. That's that's the key, being able to deliver the value. And and again, the value comes from user interface, user experience, so UI, UX. Yeah. And after you know so many years in this business, Antea has developed just that, where the many years, over 30 years being in business, and, and these people use it on a daily, so they've understood and learned from those years of experience what that UI 
should look like for one who would be in the in the platform, how easy it should flow and be easy to understand. Training is really simple from that perspective too. Yeah, sure. But also when you think about that, if they're like me, you know, I go to sleep tomorrow. I forgot something, you know. Yeah. I was, so I forget it even before I go to sleep sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so having a, we've got this. We call it Antea Academy. Okay. So it's it's a built-in training tool that if you have a question, you can click on whatever it is. Like if it's the search bar, how can I use it? If it's whatever, if you click on anything, it's going to have a drop-down menu yeah, that yeah. tells you here's some more information about how you would use this tool. Cool. So let's say I'm an executive. Let's say a refinery. We'll pick a refinery. You guys do a lot of stuff in refinery. I mean, this yes. stuff fits in refineries, right? In fact, we, we also yes. we talked about the refinery of the future thing. Maybe we'll get to that in a minute. But so let's say I'm an executive, and this refinery is in my my wheelhouse, and I've been persuaded that all this new technology is going to do do good things for us. So you know, we got the budget. It's been rolling for a while. How do I know if it's working? I actually talked about this with some folks not long ago about. A lot of times with these kinds of initiatives, we're very rigorous about the ROI study before you get the decision and the funding to do it. Sure. But the look back on did we get the ROI, right, isn't we're always not as rigorous about that. So if I were if I were an executive that bought into all of this digital twin stuff and all that it's gonna make everything better, how do I know if I'm getting the value? You know, that's a really good point you make there. And we went back to our customers. This has only been in the past year went back to a lot of our customers and, and asked for this specific information. You know, the topic of time to find TTF, right? meaning access to the information, things like what kind of insurance discounts did they get because now they manage that risk in the uh-huh. dispatch. Okay, sure, right. About 15 different bullet items and they responded back with their, with their version of cost savings, which is how we calculated our, our ROI. Right. And so now we can, we've actually developed a template we can actually do that with. And yes, we oh, can no do kidding. it before. Right. Yeah, we can yeah. do it beforehand, right. but that's to give you a flavor for what it is. Really, yeah. it can be much, much more. We're very conservative in this, in this formula. Yeah, sure. But we at least can show that beforehand, but it is based on what our customers have told them they have, the value that they have seen. So that to me sounds like actual progress in the world of digital transformation, right? People are I mean, because it just, it just wasn't that long ago that a lot of executives were saying, hmm, digital transformation sounds like a new way to get me to spend money on technology, right? The whole hype cycle. Yeah. And we saw that happen in, with lots of other things over the last 20, 30 years. So that sounds like, I mean, if you go out to customers and say, and they can say, here's what we, here's what we can measurably say is value, whether it's cost savings or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately, everything comes down to cost savings, right? But that's progress. Yeah. And the point that I like the most is that it's their numbers, not ours. Yeah, sure. And we shaved off of that just to make it more conservative and not make it seem too big. It was The numbers really get much bigger than that. But yeah, yeah, we really enjoyed their feedback. And you to know, us, it's, it's, it's really good for us to understand the true value we're creating, not just the end users out there saying, man, this is a cool tool. My yeah. job is much easier. Yeah. You know, but also sometimes that, actually, that doesn't really do yeah. anything. The cool thing about that, though, is what that means, you know, if, if you take off your Antea hat for a second and mm-hmm. just think about the industry, what that means is that's evidence that people in our industry are capable of embracing this tech, these, these new, because, you know, we get dinged all the time for, you know, not wanting to do things new ways, oil and gas wants to do, you know, 
bunch of old people that want to do everything the same old way. They're not open to change. But this is proof that yeah. the industry is able to embrace new, not just the technology, but new ways of working. Because without the new ways of working, that you know, the technology is not doing anything for you. Yes. And so they're able to embrace not just the cool new stuff, but the new ways of working and look at that and measure the impact on the business. That speaks well. If, it's, if you see it happening in your little corner of the world, right? Then if we extrapolate that, mm -hmm. it means that our industry actually is capable of progressing and transforming and adapting and, and doing all those things that maybe sometimes isn't in our reputation for doing. Definitely moving forward. Definitely moving forward. And, and, and you're exactly right. They, you know, industry is accepting it. And, you know, we can attribute a lot of that to do with COVID. COVID-19, yeah. if you think about it. We, Much as I hate to say, admit that. Well, it's I mean, probably true. Yeah. Industry was forced to get digital and be able to yeah. work in, from remote places and still execute or get things done. It's true. It wasn't, it wasn't that we didn't know how to do it before. It just wasn't worth, you know, it wasn't enough of a reason. And, and we don't like risk in this industry, and for good reason, right? Because, I mean... All humans fear change, period. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, and so, so <laughs> that, anything that is, disruptive like this. For sure, yeah. So this is good. All right, cool. Well, I'm looking at the clock here, and I think we're getting to that. Usually, usually I say we're getting to the part where if we keep talking, people will stop listening. But today, it's more like if we keep talking, we're going to get too hungry, and we're not going to yeah. have anything meaningful to say anymore. But I think we covered most of that. I did want to, last time you were on, we talked about this refinery of the future thing. Maybe just a couple quick words on that. Is that... I know it's a collaboration with a bunch of people, right? A bunch of companies. Yeah. Is that, is that real? Is that happening? Sure, sure. That's a consortium of, of companies that got together. It's been probably four years ago now, maybe five, mm -hmm. and started developing this, what, what they're calling, what they call the refinery of the future. Right. And it's at Texmark Chemicals over here, just south of southwest, southeast of Houston. A small chemical plant, great plant, you know, to actually do a proof of concept. Right, right. Of course, nowadays, I wouldn't call it proof of concept. It's been running now for this long, you know, four or yeah. five years. It's a consortium of companies like CB Technologies is the lead integrator in that group. Yeah. They're running Antea Platform. And then, of course, they also, HP is there, Aruba. So, PTC, they're with Connected Workers. So, yeah, a yeah. lot of different companies, disruptive type technologies that are have gathered and kind of found a sandbox to play in and test out new technologies and new ways to do our work. So, which begs the question, because, you know, in typical fashion for our industry, we can very easily spend four or five years kicking get, a can around, get, getting a bunch of people together <laughs> and working on an idea and amazing things are happening and nobody knows because it's all, is it at the point with the, with the refinery of the future? What's coming out of it? Are, do, are we starting to see things come out of it and impact the rest of the industry? Well, certainly. I mean, again, the, the technologies being researched and implemented there are going out to the industry. You look at things like, of course, Antea has been around for a long time, but Antea Web is only a couple of years old. We used to be Windows-based. Now we're web-based. Also, you know, a lot of the connected worker technology is coming from coming there. from there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So that's something to check out. I think there's a there's a big website about that, right? Refinery yeah, there sure is. ROTF, Techsmart Chemicals. People are involved. So that gets me to my my final question that I always ask is, if people want to learn more about what you guys are doing or just this whole space, where do they look? I know you've got, and we'll put it all in the show notes, you got your website. We mentioned the Refinery of the Future website. Anything else we want to point people to or anything what's a good oh you mentioned there's oh no the academy was part of the software right yes it's yeah. built in so anyway 
I won't stretch this question out any longer. How do people learn more? Yeah, just reach out. You can you can reach me at floyd.baker at antea.tech, T-E-C-H, or you can look us up on our website. Yeah. Antea.tech. Fantastic. Okay, cool. So Floyd, thank you. I'm going to do my, I'm going to say a few more things to wrap up here. I'm going to try to do it quickly because the fajitas are calling me, but yes, and it is, if you didn't hear me say this already, it is a beautiful day out on the lake. And I wish all of our faithful listeners could be here with us. Even the unfaithful ones, it'd be fine if they were out here as well. Let's get to the part with the food. With the food. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you again to Cognite, our sponsor, Check them out at Cognite.com. They're just, they do some amazing stuff. If you think about industrial data and all the amazing contextual, intuitive kind of things that you could do with that, they're right in the middle of it. They're incredibly innovative. They're smart people. Cognite.com. Also, I got to mention our street team, the OGGN street team, which is, which is no longer led by the valiant and noble Warren Spiewak, but it is... Warren is still in the family. He's still doing good things, but he has handed that over to the ever-sleepless and hungry Brian Mon. So there will be more to come from Brian soon on what's going down with the street team. It's a great way to get involved with the industry, with OGGN, do something good. So check that out. Look for their LinkedIn group. Also, as always, you can connect with OGGN on our website, various places in LinkedIn. This year, we've got more going on this year at OGGN than we have had in any time that I can remember. It's just there's tons of events, podcast, new podcasts, new live streams. So have a look at all that. And one last note, I always want to thank our audio wizard, Mr. Emin Fikic in the magical land of Bosnia. He's going to have a good time with this one between the birds chirping and the music popping on and off. But Emin, thank you for making us always sound great. And now we have Savannah Wilson, who is going to tell you about the events on deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month, we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th and the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.